Hello and welcome to the commentary for lesson 348. This is Jonah chapters 1, 2, and 3. And before I get started, I want to go back just a little bit to 2 Kings chapter 14 verse 25 when Jonah was briefly introduced. It says, Jeroboam II recovered the territories of Israel between Lebo, Hamath, and the Dead Sea, just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had promised through Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath-Hefer. So we learn from that that Jonah was in fact a prophet and that he typically served during the reign of Jeroboam II in the northern kingdom. He was active in prophesying there. He advised the king. And so you know there's a whole story there of Jonah that we don't get, but the book of Jonah deals specifically with this assignment given by God, and that was to preach to the Ninevites. Now the Ninevites, Nineveh was a town in the neighboring country of Assyria, and Assyria, that was an enemy to Israel. So this is enemy territory God's telling him to go into, and he was not happy about it. In fact, um, you know, this city was becoming, it was huge and it was becoming more wicked and more powerful. And Assyria had conquered the northern kingdom back in 722 BC. And according to my Bible study, Jonah began his ministry about 70 years later in 793 BC. So I was trying to find some information about Jonah's age because I wondered, you know, I wonder where his deep hatred for that country came from, for the Ninevites, and why he, you know, God sent, was sending Jonah so that he would preach to them so that they would come to repentance and be saved. And Jonah was saying, no way, I don't, they shouldn't get repentance. He wanted them to fry. He wanted vengeance for that. For those people, certainly not repentance and forgiveness. So that's why he was disobeying God. So I thought he has such a deep hatred that has to come from somewhere. So I was trying to find his age so that I could figure out maybe if he was a child at the time that the Ninevites or Assyria conquered Israel. And that would sort of make sense, wouldn't it? And this is purely speculation on my part, but Jonah could have been a child during that time, and and that could have been a traumatic event in his memory where, you know, he could have lost loved ones, and that could have been a really horrifying event for him. But at the very least, you know, because I couldn't find specific uh, information about his age, at the very least, we can assume that he would have grown up hearing about the terrible atrocities caused by the Assyrians. Right. And so that alone would certainly explain his deep hatred for this nation, so much so that he disobeyed God's instruction. And by the way, he didn't just disobey. He ran in the complete opposite direction. Um, And of course, we know we can't run from God. And Jonah certainly figures that out. So, like I said, I didn't find information about Jonah's age, but in my searching, I did find some really cool stuff, um, even more interesting that I can't wait to share with you. But bear with me because I've got to work up to it, okay? This is the kind of stuff that just gets me so excited, these little nuggets that I find out that just kind of bring it all together and help me 
it just sheds sheds so much light on the scripture and brings it to life and helps me see, oh, that's why, or I get it, or that makes total sense. Um, so I did go to gotquestions.org. That is a place I often go when I have deep burning questions regarding scripture. And the title of the question was, was Jonah truly swallowed by a whale? So that's where I'm getting a lot of my information, but I'm barely going to scratch the surface on the information given on that website. So if this is interesting to you, I, I recommend that you go to that website and look up that reading, the answer to that question that they give. It's three pages of text regarding this, and it's all very interesting. Um, but I'm just going to touch on the most basic parts of it that that really resonated with me. And that was that, you know, it points out that the biblical account of Jonah is often criticized by skeptics, even Bible scholars, right? Because of all the miracles within it. It just seems like a crazy far-fetched story, right? They kind of lump it up there with uh, Adam and Eve and Noah's Ark, right? I think the biggest Bible skeptics, will think that those are folk tales and they're not actual history. But I got to tell you that I approach this study as from the vantage point of I believe every word in the Bible is is historical in nature and is accurate and true. I do come at it from a skeptic's point of view because I love people dearly that that don't believe in the Bible, and I just have this urge to defend it and to prove it. And so um, that's where I'm coming from. But it does point to several of the miracles, and I'm just going to go through a few of them. Um, the miracle of the Mediterranean storm. You know, God, God created that storm, and he calmed the storm. So... I don't know why that would be hard to believe because Jesus did the same thing in the New Testament. Remember that? He was in a ship and a storm brew up and he calms the storm and he walked on water even. And we believe that story, but we don't believe that this miracle. So it seems silly that that would be a hindrance to anyone. Um, the other, another miracle given in this story is the huge fish, of course. The idea that God could appoint a huge fish to swallow Jonah after he's thrown into the sea. Yeah, that does seem a little crazy, right? But God also put the Savior of the world in the belly of a virgin, and we believe that, (laughs) right? See what I'm saying? So why do we assume that God can't do this. Of course he can. God does not operate under the same parameters. He is not limited by the same laws of physics that we are. He's God. Um, the other, another miracle is just the fact that Jonah survived in the belly of a fish for three days or three nights, or some believe that he died, that he actually did die, um, but was resurrected after he was vomited onto the shore. Depending on how you interpret that text, to me, I don't really care. Um, I'm not going to spend any time at all trying to determine whether he was dead or alive or when he was alive and when he was dead because it sort of doesn't matter. The fact is he was thrown into the sea. He was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. And when he came, 
when the fish spit him out on shore, he was alive. So that's all the miracle I need to know. The details of how that was done because nobody was there and and Jonah's not here to tell me how the firsthand account. So we don't know and some things we just got to say it's okay that we don't know. But big picture, it doesn't really matter, does it? So then the miracle, of course, that God could make a fish vomit a person on shore. Well, yeah, sounds crazy. I know. Um, but God, again, he, he's God. He can do anything he wants any way he wants. So like I said, a lot of, uh, Bible scholars even and, and critics of this text just come up with all these reasons that they think that this wasn't an actual event. Um, but I argue that it is. They also say that Nineveh's repentance is hard to believe, though this isn't actually, it's not technically a miracle, but it actually makes perfect sense when you come to understand that the people of Assyria worshipped a fish god. Did you know that? See, that's what I found out at gotquestions.org, and that blew my mind because that changes everything, doesn't it? Think about it. So Jonah's... First of all, there's witnesses from the ship that threw him into the sea. And by the way, those men were saved and came to know God because none of their gods and prayers were working. And so they come down to where Jonah was in the bottom of the ship and he was sleeping, by the way. And they said, hey, there's a huge storm here. Our lives are at risk. We're praying and we're not getting any answers. Do you not even care? You need to pray to your God to calm this storm. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Think about Mark 4, verses 35 to 41. I'm going to read this. We know the story of Jesus calming the storm. There's some similarities there between these two accounts. Verse 37, sorry. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it became and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat when his, with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. So God created the storm. He summoned the storm. And now he calms the storm. And in Mark 4, we see that Jesus, because he is the son of God, also can calm the storm. So that's not a coincidence. Um, so, and now that you know that they believe in a fish God, they worship a fish God, doesn't it make perfect sense that God used Jonah? In fact, he picked Jonah for this job. And usually God picks the obedient, right? Usually he'll look down on earth. I believe God works like AAA. So he's got someone in trouble. He's got a crisis. He's got a job that needs to be done. And he's going to search the area and think, okay, who can I trust with this? Who's obedient to me? Who has a relationship with me and listens to me? And he picked Jonah. Well, it's true that Jonah has a relationship with him. 
And and the funny thing is, as God knows Jonah, God knows how many hairs are on our heads. He knows the thoughts that we think. We don't even have to speak them. He knows. He knows us intimately. He knew Jonah intimately. He knew Jonah had a deep hatred for this nation. Yet God picked Jonah for this job. Doesn't that make you wonder? So he knew that Jonah would be disobedient. Don't you think? So Jonah goes in the opposite direction. And by the way, he's a prophet. He knows better. So just there's so many layers of, okay, well, his hatred is so deep. Or was it just instinctive? Or did the spirit of God somehow impress on him to do that? You know, it's it's kind of crazy. I, I don't know. I don't completely understand it. But clearly, he disobeyed God, went the opposite direction. And finally, after Jonah said, yes, the problem is me, the sailors threw him into the sea. They didn't want to. <laughs> they tried not to. But the circumstance was getting very dire. They were afraid for their lives. He said, I'm the problem. Throw me in and the and the seas will calm. He knew that. And so they did. And the seas calmed. And what a testimony to them. So their whole life has changed. They were eyewitnesses to the fact that they threw him over sea, overboard. Then there must have been witnesses on the shore that saw Jonah come out of the big fish. Because it makes sense, right? If God ordained for all of this to happen... They worshipped a fish. Think about it. He's, okay, (laughs) this just blows my mind. He is an Israelite. They're Assyrians. They hate each other. Why would he get the company of the king? Why would he get to go before the king for anything? Um, Why would he be allowed to preach to the people? That could have been another reason he was disobedient. That could have been one of the many reasons. Yes, he hated them, but his life would be in danger. What? I'm going to go into enemy territory and start preaching about my God when they have a different God? That's just asking for trouble. He could have ended up with his head on a plate. But because he came out of a fish, (laughs) right? He got to go before the king. And because he came out of a fish, the king took note and he was fearful. And when Jonah delivered that message, the king heard it. And the king said to his people, whoa, back the truck up. We need to fast. Even our animals can't eat. We need to be fasting and praying and we need to realize what we've done and come to repentance. See, they wouldn't have heard him if he hadn't come out of a fish. Isn't that amazing? That just blows my mind. So you have the similarity in the story of the calming of the sea. That has to mean something. You know, when it comes to the story of Jonah, there's just so much more than meets the eye. And you dig a little bit and you find just all these amazing details. And they all point to evidence that this is, an actual historical event. This really happened. And it happened in a perfectly predetermined way that God ordained in ways that we can't even fully comprehend. But for the grand finale, I got to tell you, 
Um, scripture also makes it clear later that the account of Jonah was used, yes, to bring the people of Nineveh to repentance, but also it itself is prophecy which foretells the coming Messiah. So I want to read from you Matthew chapter 12, verses 39 to 41. It says, One day some teachers of religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority. But Jesus replied, Only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it, for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. So, wow, there's just so much there. And I want, again, to encourage you, if this is interesting to you and you want to dig a little deeper, go to gotquestions.org because there are three pages of details of the history of Nineveh, um, writings, literature that they found in Nineveh um, in that area that also collaborate with this story. And also Jonah's name and how he is spoken of in another account written by a man named, he was a historical Babylonian historian and priest. His name was Barosus. And he wrote of a mythical, in parentheses, a creature named Oanus, who, according to Barosus, emerged from the sea to give divine wisdom to men. Now, the curious thing about his Barosus' account is the name that he used, Oanus. And then it goes through several paragraphs, and I'm not going to ex- pretend to even understand it, but how that name translated, because he wrote in Greek, and how that name translates into Jonah. So this story is not just in the biblical text. It's also in supplemental text <coughs> from that time period. So that's very cool. Um also, there's archaeological information that's rediscovered from that area. Nabayunis happens to be Arabic for the prophet Jonah. So anyways, um, also it talks about the nature of the big fish and what they believe that big fish was. And it goes through the different types of marine life in the Mediterranean that it could possibly have been. They suspect it was something called a cachalot, which is actually a sperm whale or a white shark. So it talks about that. Um, But just really, really good information. And, you know, it makes the point, it says, God has made himself known throughout history in many diverse ways, not to the least of which is sending Jesus Christ in the flesh to die for us. And then not only does Jesus give us reason to believe that there that there exists one who is able to perform such miracles, he gives us every confidence that such events have in fact occurred. And Jesus himself spoke of Jonah's ordeal as a real historical event. And he used it as a metaphor for his own crucifixion and resurrection. And that's when we get to the scripture I shared with you in um, Matthew 12. So, 
Anyways, um, you know, every Christian should have confidence that this story is true. And any skeptic should think twice before just assuming that Jonah is a fairy tale. So we will just stop there. There's, there's, uh... A lot to take out of that, and you'll probably be stewing. If you're like me, you'll be stewing over that information and tossing it around in your head for a few days. But um, that's really it for today. I hope you all have a great day, and I will talk to you soon. <laughs>